For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Happy Friday. You've made it through the work week. You've made it through all the storms, for the most part. Maybe knock on wood, they don't happen again today. But it is the weekend nevertheless. And the Denver Nuggets have three new players. Sandy, you and I thought that the, the Nuggets would be likely to combine a couple and maybe move up a bit for players that they like. They did not do that. They found three, but they did do what we expected. In fact, two of the players in much of the pre-draft study that I had done with Hunter Tyson and in Jalen Pickett, the negatives, if you will, and, and if for those watching it on uh, milehighsports.com or on the app, you can do that. Negatives, I put in finger air quotes, were that they were two of the oldest players in the draft. That's a negative for some teams. It's not a negative for the Denver Nuggets who are prioritizing particular skill sets, experience, and basketball IQ. It's fascinating to me, and we touched on it, you in particular, the other day, why being 21, 22, even 23 years old is now viewed by some as a negative. Mm Mm-hmm. Certainly depends on what Fascinating part to your me team is at. Because yeah. I, with obvious exceptions, would be looking at someone who's still a teenager with a few reservations. Now, I, I will say this. Um, listening to all the draft picks last night, about one through 40 anyway, mm-hmm. who spoke on ESPN, I was very impressed and couldn't tell by the way they spoke or carried themselves, who was a teenager, who was 20 years old or older. Having said that, we all know these players. We've seen some of them play here in person mm-hmm. in Denver. Correct. Julian Strouther being the prime example of that. Jalen Pickett played in the NCAA tournament this year, just not here. I don't know how much Penn State basketball any of us have watched, but we, during the season, if you follow college basketball, you had heard of Jalen Pickett. He was a good enough player to be recognized by name. Even above the relative achievements of his team. Hunter Tyson played for Clemson this past year, and he of the three is probably the least known, but he was also the final pick of the three at 37. Strather going, of course, in the first round, and Pickett going at 32 early in the second round. Uh, 
I think Calvin Booth cuts against the grain a little bit, and I like that. And I even enjoyed reading this morning from at least one analyst that the Nuggets had reached for every one of the three picks, or at least two of the three picks, Mm -hmm. particularly uh, Strouder, who may or may not have gone in the second round within the first 10 picks of the second round, and Pickett, who some had rated in the 40s or even in the 50s. But the Nuggets didn't have any picks in the 40s and 50s. They clearly liked Pickett. They've seen Strother quite a bit without having necessarily to go all that far in order to watch him. And uh, Hunter Tyson was of a type that, again, uh, people can have very long careers in the NBA and not necessarily be stars if they can shoot the three ball. Mm -hmm. And one of the metrics I looked at was three-point shooting from NBA distances. Yes. From 25 feet and beyond. And Strother and Tyson are exceptional three-point shooters from beyond 25 feet. College players don't have to shoot from that kind of distance, but if they can, it suggests that the way they shoot the three will translate from the college game to the pro game. Maybe not so much with Pickett, who has a flatter shot and had a lower percentage on three-point attempts of 25 feet and longer, but he's an interesting kind of player, kind of a throwback. He's 6'3", and his game offensively is based on muscularity. Yes. How that translates to the NBA, I'm not sure, but the one common thread, with all three of these players, they are coachable and they are exceedingly bright, both on and off the floor. And I mean exceedingly bright. All intelligence measures show up in boxes that they check off. All three of them do. So, again, much like Brown and Watson this year, who never complained about the way they were being used how much they were playing, how many shots they got, I would expect the same would be true with these three players. I don't know that all three will make the team. That is yet to be determined Mm -hmm. and has a lot to do with whether Bruce Brown is on the team next year. Very much so. But I thought it was a good, solid draft. And the thing about drafting older players, they are who they are they tend to have higher floors because you know more about them. And I think their intelligence and their willingness to be coached, even coached hard. uh, I'm not as familiar with the coaches at Penn State and Clemson as I am with Mark Few, obviously. Uh, Mark Few is an exceptional coach. And uh, Shrewsbury at, uh, I'm sorry, Shrewsbury at Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury, the relatively new coach at Mm -hmm. Penn State, found a way that hadn't been found before, even at Siena, for Jalen Pickett to be even more effective 
in his final year at Penn State this past season, where he was able to put up more than respectable numbers as a scorer, rebounder, and playmaker. The the, the talent here is, the point you made I think is really interesting, Sandy, and I do want to touch on that. The, the team did have picks in the 40s and 50s. That's not where their picks are. And I think there is well, a, it, a it, right. There's that, an argument <laughs> to be made. You get the players you we worry so too much target, at times. You target players right. and you say, okay, if I had a pick in the 40s and 50s, I might wait until then to select this player. But this is the guy that I if want. If I had 45 instead of 37, would Pickett have been there, let's say? Right. Uh, at 45, maybe. Would Tyson have been there at 45? Maybe. But they didn't have picks in the 40s and 50s. You're, you're exactly right. And I, I want to highlight that point because, first of all, I don't mind a GM who cuts the, against the grain because he did the same thing last year. Uh, they're and holding a trophy right now. Right now you're talking about the Nuggets drafting a rotation player as a rookie who played 24 minutes in the last game of the season. And, and another rookie that had the lowest points per game average in the history of the NBA draft first rounders, where, where, at least where he was selected. I mean, that's what you're talking about. And I don't have a problem with that. You talk about coaches, by the way, Brad Brownell over at, at Clemson, where Tyson played, uh, has now 14 years into the job. Career record of 241-177, but seven postseason wins. That's the most of anybody who's ever coached at Clemson. And that's the current coach at Clemson now. So you're talking about a guy that's had the most postseason success they've ever had. And they they come from programs that are solid. In Strouther's well, case, we're talking about a guy that we know was the second best player on the team beside behind Drew, Drew Timmy. But there was no question that he was the second best player. And there are questions about Timmy's ability to convert to the NBA. Oh, I, I think so. And, and I, I don't think either guy is necessarily someone who was ever under consideration by most teams in the league as a first-round pick. Tim, Timmy wasn't either. Right. And obviously was not taken in the first round. Strouther technically was, but, I mean, 29 out of 30 picks. I mean, he went 29. Right. So that's about as late in the first round as you can get Although, without being the last pick. It is the latest you can go. And I, I also want to make this point that these players have played more than one or two years. All of them have. And I think at least a couple of them played five and took advantage of the COVID year. Yes. That all players got back, in effect. Yes. And received one additional year of eligibility. T- Jalen Pickett, uh, Pickett is, played three years at Siena and two at Penn State. Pickett will turn 24 this year. And 24. Tyson, uh, Tyson played five years at Clemson. Mm-hmm. He's 23 years old out of Monroe, North Carolina. Right. And he's 6'8", 215. He's a shooter, but he's tough. He is efficient. And I think with respect to Strouther and Tyson, they're not going to lead their teams in assists, but here you have Jokic. And one thing the Nuggets did not have was clearly above average three-point shooting coming off the bench. Correct. That's the one thing they didn't have. Tyson and Strouther. Tyson and Strouther in particular may well provide that. Their offensive skills otherwise are not necessarily all that impressive, but one is 6'7", and one is 6'8", and 
they either have quick releases or high releases, their shots are tough to block. Maybe they'll have to quicken the pace a little bit in the NBA. Mm-hmm, they will. But the, the, the thing about Pickett shooting threes to me, whether he shoots flat or not, is that he's 6'3". And he will have a tougher time getting threes off. And I don't know that that's really at the heart of his game anyway. Uh, None of these three players will overwhelm you defensively. But again, the Nugget bench this year, particularly Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, were well above average defenders by any measure and two of the best defensive players coming off any bench in the entire league. The and, and don't make any mistake here. The, the, the Nuggets did not get superstars. They did not. That, that's not what they were after. But they they do have. They, they did get talented. It's not guys. what they could afford. Either. Right. In Strother, you're getting a guy that has a good basketball IQ, who understands when to take a shot, who has a good shot. Uh, who under- knows a good shot from a bad shot. Right. And I think Including all three ones, of these guys, do. they do. And, and it, it it comes out in the game. And I'll give you a couple numbers. You know, when you look at. And also, by the way, if you're ever looking for some good scouting, and there's lots of pages, one of the longest tenured ones for a while is NBADraft.net. It's a good site. And they had Strouder ranked as 24th overall. So maybe not a reach. Now, in Pickett's case, it was 40, a little lower than they went, and Tyson's was even lower than that. But noted that Tyson, and I had heard much the same thing, in, in workouts was really impressing with energy, hustle, and sort of basketball IQ, and was a bit on the rise, was a bit of a late, late riser. But I'll work my way up here. In rebounders in last year's college basketball, Hunter Tyson was 20th at 9.6. Good rebounder. Good rebounder. Yeah. So 9.6. Top 20 in the entire country. Now, he shot 40%, 40.5 to be particular, from yeah. three. That's Out true. of the top 20 rebounders in the country, do you want to guess how many Sandy also shot 40% from three? I guess none of them. The answer is none. Hunter Tice is the only one. The only one of the country's top 20 rebounders that shot better than 40% from three. And and I also like the fact that he took half a dozen threes per game yes. on average. Way more shot, than most people. Uh, yeah. Almost 37.5% beyond 25 feet mm-hmm. on three-point attempts. I, I really like, as I said earlier, that metric. And you know what else I like about all three of those guys? Even the point guard. I, I, I'm a Jalen Pickett fan. I like Jalen Pickett a lot. They move without the ball. Mm-hmm. Pickett's one of the guys that you hear me talk now, about over the course Pickett, of the week. Pickett uh, might get a little sticky, just it, it, not because he's selfish, but because it's kind of his style mm-hmm. it, that he'll have to. Some of that had to do with the, the roster at Penn State as well that they weren't as and reframe. Yes, I, I, I understand with, uh, that. Yeah. No, and I'm not for a second suggesting that he's selfish. I want to emphasize that. He has small hands, so passes have to be delivered with both hands. He's not Oftentimes, yep. he's not Jokic with no. huge hands who's one-handing most of his passes. Correct. Correct. That's absolutely true. All right. So okay. Uh yeah, he's not making the flashy passes. He, he That's is, not his thing. He is a ball stopper, not because he's Carmelo Anthony, but because he played at least on the college level at Siena and particularly at Penn State more of a post-up game. Yeah. Yes, at 6-3 in college, if you're strong enough and crafty enough, and he is both, 
you can play that way. How that translates to the pro game, another question. And yet, I'm okay. Listen, all three of these guys aren't going to be in the rotation no. next year. No. All right? If one of them's in the rotation uh, and Bruce Brown is here, I'd be surprised, to be honest. I'd be I'd, I'd be a little surprised, but the closest guy, I think, might in fact be the third guy of the three drafted to getting into the rotation because he's clearly solid uh, as a rebounder, a rebounder and a scorer, and he is fluid as an athlete. I think he is probably a little more athletic than the other two. Ooh, I don't, you see, I don't, Tyson, the other two. Uh, I think Tyson's actually the, the, the less, at least getting his own shot off has been a problem, but I, I, I don't know. No, but he's fluid, though. It, it, it's not herky-jerky. Uh, it and, and Crafty tends to be herky-jerky, and he uses what he has in terms of uh, unusual bulk for a 6'3 guard yeah. to, to create openings for himself. But uh, you know, I, I, I think the smoothness, uh, and, and I'm not, none of these guys are explosive. None of these no. guys are going to no. jump out of the gym. No. Uh, okay? in, in contrast with Christian I, Brown I and Peyton that. Watson, who are both outstanding athletes, uh, these guys are, quite frankly, right. average to maybe below average NBA right. athletes. That's but the reality. they know how to play. And the, but they've been that they way. They know how to <laughs> they play. They didn't do it. This and, is how they've been. And you're not playing college basketball for five years if you're getting any kind of coaching at all. Five years, four years, even three years. You're not playing college basketball that long and playing heavy minutes if you don't know how to play. Right. And the Nuggets have more players who know how to play than any team in the NBA at the present time. They are in, obviously, a terrific shape being able to add these players. And you're right. There's the opportunity to go two-way contracts. They did that with uh, with Jack White, another player who knows how to play. That was out of Duke, a two-time captain of Duke. They hope that Colin Gillespie is and back. And maybe, you know, a picket maybe a two-way guy. I, I have a little more confidence, mainly because they're bigger, taller. Uh, you know, it, it, Pickett's 202. <laughs> Strather's 208. and uh, The kid from Clemson, Tyson, is 215. So there's not a huge difference there. The most muscular of the three is Pickett. Pickett. Yeah, but Pickett's a thicker guy. The, 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 the guys who at 6'8", six, 6'7", I think their games translate a little more smoothly and naturally into the NBA. And if Pickett's a two-way, I I don't know. I, I You know, my initial thought was uh, they got themselves a backup point guard, but again, that comes with the caveat that Bruce Brown does not come back. Correct. But if Bruce Brown does not come back, there are some things about uh, Jalen Pickett. Like I said, I've talked about him a lot this week. I talked about both Marcus Sasser and Jalen Pickett as players I thought would be very, very good fits for the Denver Nuggets. And you're right. There'll be better fits for the Nuggets uh, if they lose Bruce Brown. Of course, they don't want to do that. You'd rather no, give I, these I, guys right. a little bit of time. Did, didn't Sasser go before the Nuggets had a pick? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, I he, thought he, so. went, he went sooner. But like I like, 24 I like Pickett like an awful lot. And uh, I, I have some numbers as to why, if Bruce Brown does move along, uh, Jalen Pickett might be able to step into that role maybe sooner than you think. I'll tell you next on My Life Sports. Willing, but she wasn't ready, so I settled for a burger and a grape snow cone. I dropped her off early, but I didn't go home. Down by the river on a Friday night, a pyramid of cans in the pale moon.
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Happy Friday. I talked a little bit about Jalen Pickett, a player that I am familiar with, and I kind of hinted would be a good fit for the Denver Nuggets. And there are there are drawbacks. When you're talking about guys in the second round, not everybody is going to be a star. And I don't think Jalen Pickett's going to be a star. So it maybe sounds a little strange for me to talk up a guy that won't be a star. But the Denver Nuggets aren't looking for one. What they're looking for is someone who can step in and contribute, especially if Bruce Brown does leave. Well, Jalen Pickett last year with Penn State, Led the team in scoring with 17.7 points. Led the team in rebounds. Remember, he's 6'3". Yeah. Led the team in rebounds at 7'4". Right. Led the team in assists at 6.6. By far their best player. Led the team in steals at .9 a game. Oh, and by the way, he was only .1 blocks off from leading the team in per-game average as well, and that's with shooting 50.8% from the field. When you look at players with the combination there, Pickett was sixth, or pardon me, fifth in the entire NCAA last year in assists per game. Fifth. He's the only one that shot better than 47% from the field, and he shot 50.8. And, and the only player with a better assist-to-turnover ratio in that top five plays in this town and is coming back, and that's Isaiah Stevens of Colorado State, who was fourth in the league, in, in fourth in the uh, country in assists. And he's a terrific player. And was 6.7 to 2.2. Pickett was 6.6 to 2.3. Right. So you're talking about a very heady player, and you're right when you point out Pitt, Pickett's size is, is probably not going at the NBA level to let him back guys down, but it does help on the defensive side, and he's a good defender, and when you're 6'3", 202 with point guards, this gives the Nuggets something that they like doing. You have a guy that can actually guard a one and a two because he has the physicality and size to do it, so it gives the Nuggets more flexibility on defense. So you have a guy that can score if he needs to. His size also lets him drive to the basket. He has a good step back jumper shot. 38.1% 38.1% from three. He's not an expert three-point shooter, but, he no, can, but he'll hit no. the open and, ones. And he doesn't really hit uh, the long ones, but if we call it bully ball, I guess, at uh, Penn State, they called his style booty ball as a post-up guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually And off the bench ball handler, to, I love the fit. Okay, well, love it. I like people who are high IQ and have a terrific feel for the game. And he has both. On both ends of the floor. And I like guys who have that kind of old man, back down Mm -hmm. kind of game. And he's crafty. Uh, Not only exceedingly bright, but he's he's crafty. And he knows what he can and can't do. And he's been well coached, uh, I think particularly over the two years at Penn State. And uh, all these guys... Uh, Strather, I think, was better than 56% on runners and as a good floater. Uh, the same thing with Pickett within five feet of the basket. And I, I don't know that Tyson is known as a guy who gets the rim a lot, but uh, not, he can but- shoot the hell out of it. Let me give you one more bit on 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 Pickett here as well, by the way, because uh, you, you have to go back. They did, not all these stats were necessarily tracked, but since 1985 and 1986, 
Pickett, who scored in his college career, and yes, he's been there for a while, I get that, 2,000 points, 700 rebounds, 800 assists. He's the only person that's done it. That's it. That's the beginning and the end of the list. Is is there a team that appreciates versatility and basketball IQ more than the Denver Nuggets? I don't know that there is. It's kind of what they hang their hat on. They got one in Jalen Pickett. He's not going to be a star. But is this the kind of guy that you might see on this team as one of your key backup rotational guys for the next, and I'm not well, joking, I, I seven think, years? I you think might because he seems nice... like a, a great fit for this team, a long-term yeah. backup. And, guard. You know, there are different things you, you could do with him, uh, depending on the kind of contract you give him. But I could certainly see him being, uh, you know, somewhat like what Reggie Jackson was mm-hmm. this year and at some point getting his shot. I mean, the Nuggets aren't going to have five starters who play 82 games next year. No team's going to have right. that. So uh, and rotation players will miss some time, too. He'll have... I think he'll have his shot, uh, whether he's ready to be a backup lead guard. I I don't know, but I'm, I, I like the, the intangibles that you're hinting at here. And I think he's a guy who will and can adapt. I think if you're, Six two or shorter. In today's NBA, you've got to be a jet. He's not a jet, nope. But he's got just enough height and more than enough strength to be able to compete defensively against other guards, unless they're six six or six seven, and. Even at six four, six five, he wouldn't be guarding those guys anyway. That's Christian Brown's job, or even Peyton Watson's job. They can guard guards and forwards. This guy only has to guard people his size, maybe six four or under. Right, right. They're not going to ask him to cover Devon Booker. No, no, no. They're not. That's not what he's asked to do. But, but he will be asked to cover the well the Kyle Lowry's of the world and things like that, potentially. And th- those are the kind of things he can do. So uh, He I mean, should be okay. G- given, the, given where they're at. Devin and, and I mean, what a, what a fascinating time to, to, to look at the idea. Because look, look at this. Let me just give you this in the NBA draft. Uh, Oscar Chiboy, the Chiboy out of Kentucky, yeah. was not drafted. Drew Timmy was not drafted. Adama Sinogo out of UConn, not drafted. Three of the best big men in the country. I know. Totally undrafted. The funny thing I, is, why wasn't Sheboy drafted? And, and nobody talked about him. I never heard. And admittedly, I didn't watch all night. I, I watched through about the 40th mm-hmm. pick. I, I'm telling you, maybe I missed it. And on our text line and on the phones, uh, I will stand corrected if somebody uh, was watching longer than I was or always the possibility I missed it. I never heard Oscar Sheboy's name mentioned. And I remember watching Kentucky during the season and when Jay Billis was doing the games and Jay Billis was on the panel last night right, from Brooklyn, Jay Billis raved about Oscar Sheboy. And his name was never mentioned. Sheboy ends up signing with the Pacers, uh, Sonogo with the Bulls, and Timmy with the Bucks. But it strikes me as interesting because, well, we all knew who the MVP was this year. 
because we know that that's Joel Embiid, big man. Previous two MVPs in the league, Nikola Jokic, big man. The previous two MVPs before that, Giannis Antetokounmpo, big man. The last five, all 6'11 or bigger. All right. Two of them now, play traditional uh, center. Down with Sheepway is 6'9, right? Right. And that's a, that's a different setup. But, I mean, the idea I, that... I mean... The, the proof I, is at the highest he, level. I think he can play. At the highest level of the NBA, the NBA. It's been the big men. Five straight years of oh, big no, men winning I the MVP. That. That's why and I, in college, I, nobody wants to draft I, him? I don't know. You're, you're, you're saying. So strange. That, I, I can understand Timmy not going in the, the first the, round. Yeah. And even Shibway. I can, I, I can understand, I can understand not him going not going in the first round. But for those two not guys not to be drafted at all is shocking to me. Shocking. I, I think so, too. I don't understand. You have a league that I, I get it. It's turning into a wing forward league at the same time. Isn't Calipari the in the past five big men? How many, five MVPs how big many men. Kentucky guys have come out with eligibility left and not been drafted uh, under it's, Calipari? It's not often. Oh, and by the way, he was the National Player of the Year a year ago, 2021, 2022. I know all about that because two years ago, in that season, I'm sorry, it was the year, uh, well, it was that year. Yeah. Matter of fact, time flies. Uh, Kentucky played Kansas in Lawrence and killed him. And Shebway dominated David McCormick. Now, I know David McCormick's not playing in the NBA. Right. I, I get that. But Shebway, to me, has for at least two years now, he led the country Been in assists. the best big man in college basketball. I mean, pardon me, assists. He led, the, he led the country in rebounding by almost a full board. He's a double-double guy. He's automatic double-double. And remember, this automatic year he had 16.5 points, 13.5 rebounds. The 13.5 leads uh, led, led all of college basketball. But that's after he had, had to have a knee surgery prior to the season. Uh, he was All-American the year before, the best player in the country, National Player of the Year. Had to have knee surgery. Comes back, and all he does is puts up 16.5, 13.7, leads the country. Goes undrafted? I, I I'm just astonished. What what's the what's the league doing that. there? I mean, I don't understand how you deprioritize the big man when the last five MVPs are big men. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I know you're not suggesting that. I'm not, and I'm not suggesting Oscar Sheepway is never going to be I'm the not, MVP. But I'm suggesting the NBA, that the, 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 the big man role is not crazy. dead. It's not it's dead. It's crazy not to draft him. He's got skills. I don't, would he be better if he were 6'10 or 6'11? I would have been delighted I if the Nuggets so. scooped him he up after the draft. Worse. I don't even know if they'd use him. But I, why would you not grab him? I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. See that among these three picks, any of them are centers or no. backup centers, right? Nope. <laughs> one of, the, one of right? the things that we did believe the Nuggets I wouldn't needed have still need. I wouldn't have minded. Shibway. You're telling me Oscar Shibway can't play 15, 20 minutes a game. Because if you don't draft him, you're saying he can't play 15, 20 minutes a game. Right. As a, as a backup. Least, not right now. The guy so that averaged almost backup. 14 boards a game in college, you can't be able to play backup? I, I, that part is strange. I get it. I know it's wings, wings, wings. I get it. But at the same time, uh, when you look at the top players in the league, they're the big men. And then the NBA teams seem to deprioritize them for reasons that – Still baffling. Well, me. here's what and I think. And the truth of the matter is, you know what? Opinion? The Nuggets have won, Sandy. One. Right. They've kind right. of done it too. Right. Everybody loves small ball. I love small. Sure, it's fun. I love small. It's fast. It's exciting. Right. 
But this guy, I, I've seen him uh, probably holes in his game, but not to be drafted at all after he's that productive. Maybe they don't think, oh, well, he's reached his ceiling. Well, ceiling's pretty good. Seems like. For a backup. I, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're looking at is a backup at that stage. Sort of bizarre. But, you know, those teams do do pounce. They are. Or they have uh, either two ways or they'll be playing in uh, the G League and have their opportunity to, to make some noise. But it really is sort of strange that that's where uh, you see some of these good big men out of college. They're just no, not really I, getting any uh, I th- it, My any opinion interest. is, I'm sure you'd agree with me. And this guy's, by the way, 6'8", 255. He's built like Aaron Gordon. He's a, he's a tank. If you are not great, there's a chance you won't be drafted mm-hmm. or will be given short shrift. Right. If you aren't great right away and you've got to be 6'11 or bigger. And he's only 6'9. Yep. And what's Timmy? Timmy isn't 6'11. Six, six, uh, no, I think he's 6'10. 6'9, 6'10. 6'9? Yeah. Same thing. There's a, there's a prejudice against to me a six ten yeah six nine centers or six ten string beans as as centers and I'm not saying Timmy Timmy's kind of a stretch guy right yeah but he's not a great three point shooter I I get it the, the I like Shibway better the than theory, Timmy because I know what I, he I would like do. Shibway a lot better than Timmy Shibway's game translates better into the NBA, I think, than Timmy's game does. But, okay, let, let's say, and obviously every team in the league felt this way, Shibway and Timmy were great college players who will not be nearly as good professionally. And I'm like, Total so what? Right. what, what why, why can't you draft six, nine, six, ten guys that, you know, have, have been around, um, you know, I I mean, Calipari has won a championship at Kentucky. Uh, I don't think he's doing as good a coaching job over the last five or six years not. as many other coaches could have done mm-hmm. with that talent, but he brings in that talent. I mean, he he's a great recruiter. He's a much better recruiter, it would seem to me at this point, than he is a coach. Still, okay, he maxed out at Kentucky. That means he can't play in the NBA because if you don't draft a guy, and it, all thirty teams, yeah, you're saying you don't shot, think he can make. You don't league. think he can play, right? You don't think he can make the league at all. Yes. Now, that's what if he doesn't make Indiana's team, I'll be very, very surprised. And maybe Indiana will turn out to be smart. Maybe it was Indiana had picks. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they a lot traded of picks. a few of them away, but they had picks and they chose not to take them. And maybe they were right. He won't be drafted, and we can snap him up well, after the draft. You can actually end up doing different things with the contract that might be more beneficial than a second rounder, to be completely honest. We will talk this over a little bit uh, more. This is your program, of course. 303-831-1340 is the call and text line. Let us know what you think about the Nuggets selections last night. We'll talk about it with our friend Vinny Benedetto from the Denver Gazette next on Miley Sports.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. We are happy to talk to our next guest from the Denver Gazette, friend of the program, Vinny Benedetto, covering the Nuggets uh, regularly for them. He is the man to uh, make sure you follow V Benedetto on Twitter. And Vinny, thanks for for joining us. The, the Nuggets get aggressive during the finals. They make that trade. Uh, they, they now maneuver around. They pick three players. We were a little surprised they picked three. Are, are you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think a lot of people thought, you know, maybe trying to get to 29 was a, a way for them to climb up even higher with, um, you know, a couple seconds at their disposal. And, you know, maybe a young player or two currently on the roster, you know, could have also been uh, a path to move up even forward. But I, I, I'm guessing that, you know, some of the teams in the late teens to early 20 range were kind of set on their pick or, or maybe the price was too high. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Nuggets sound like they're, they're pleased with their haul, but yeah, I think, uh, I think them taking three might've been a, uh, plan B. Three picks out of nine between 29 and 37. So I suppose the order in which these players were drafted isn't terribly important. But your first visceral reaction on the basis of uh, who has the best chance next year to steal a few minutes here and there, in your opinion, of the three. And I know it's first impressions, and uh, we, we really haven't seen these guys. We have no idea how they'll react. But your initial thought as to which one of the three has the best chance to play next year. Yeah, my gut right now is Jalen Pickett, just probably because of the way the roster sits right now. You know, uh-huh. Bruce Brown's status is, is in question. And then right. what they do from a backup guard perspective, you know, seems like it, it, it's pretty wide open. He's a guy who played five years in college and, you know, started, I think, like over 120 or 140, 140 college games. Um it's a, he, he plays, you know, with a little bit of a, a throwback style. Exactly. Uh, which I think, well said. Which is interesting. Um, but he, he plays at his own pace. You know, he, he doesn't seem like a guy who, who gets too sped up. And, and five years of college experience, I think, is, is something, you know, that, that would turn off a lot of teams in the draft process. But, but with the Nuggets in their situation, I think it, it works for them. So, uh, you know, he rebounds well for his size, still manages to distribute, and uh, the scoring is – you know, I'd be interesting to see if the, the three-point shot extends to the NBA range, but uh, so far... Yeah, I mean, that's the, guy, the question. That's the only question, really, about him. Yeah, so I, I think he's the guy with, with the easiest route to, to some meaningful minutes next year. Now, when you look at that Bruce Brown situation, I mean, that hovers over everything, and uh, I assume it's uh, no news is, not just, is probably good news for the Nuggets, but uh, the idea that a deal could be made. Uh, we know it's limited by the new CBA. Obviously, presumably the Nuggets are working to get that done quickly. We know that negotiations can start a week from today. Uh, how long do you think we will know? Uh, it will be until we know the Bruce Brown situation so that the Nuggets can attack free agency in the way that they'll need to. Yeah, I, I don't know how well or how much we will know, but I feel like the team will have a pretty good idea You know, at the start of free agency, if not even sooner. So if you see them go out and... Um, 
offer whatever they can to another ball handler, I think that is a, that would be a pretty good indication that uh, Bruce has, has moved on. Um, so I, I, I think they'll probably play pretty close to the vets for, for the next week. But, uh, you know, as soon as they can officially start offering contracts and signing guys, I think it'll be a pretty clear indication of, of where Bruce is going. Again, I want to phrase this question in a way that uh, you're able to answer, but it, uh, we were talking about it uh, a little bit earlier in the hour, that there is a with Bruce Brown plan and a without Bruce Brown plan. Uh, do you imagine, and I know this isn't the reality of the situation, but if the Nuggets were sure that Bruce Brown was coming back, absolutely sure, under contract even, to come back next year, would they have taken these three particular players if they were sure he was coming back? Yeah, if you're sure he's coming back, um, I, I would think at some point you could operate on a on a different timeline in terms of all you know the three guys they picked played a combined 13 years of college basketball. Which yes, is, yes, um, yes. Which is something you five, know, four, and four. Yeah, a lot of teams would avoid. I think um, so. Yeah, yeah, if if they were, if they felt pretty good about Bruce, I think maybe then you go for, you know, one of the young one and done young guys full of potential in the second round that that were out there. Um, you know, Amari Bailey from UCLA was right. I really like. Right, because I like him too. Size, combo guard abilities. Yep. You know, he wouldn't have been able to to fill the Bruce Brown role day one, but I don't think you know even at twenty nine. Uh, I think drafting someone there and expecting them to be your sixth man, um, it, it would be a lot to ask for anybody. So I think, I think the fact that they did take those those three developed players is a good sign that that the Nuggets feel like they they still have a pretty good shot at Bruce coming back. The idea seems to be, if I were looking at this from from a, a competing team's perspective, that obviously we know the Nuggets aren't looking for stars here; they're looking for situational players. But the the message seems to be anyone who thought that doubling Nikola Jokic is going to be a good idea, it's going to become less of a good idea because we plan on surrounding it with situational knockdown shooters. Uh, that, that appears to be the message that the Nuggets are sending with the construction of this part of the roster, at least in the draft year with Strouder and with Tyson in particular. Am I seeing things uh, the same way you are? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the things they seem to target this draft were, were clearly experience, readiness from day one, shooting and, and plus rebounding for the position. But I think, yeah, the thing that stands out for sure, number one about Strother and Tyson is is just the, the knockdown shooting ability. Um, both interesting players. You know, I, I'm i not sure what, what the plan for Hunter Tyson is going to be. Or, But, I mean, Julian's got a little bit more, you know, security here being the late first-round pick. But both those guys can absolutely shoot the lights out. You see, I think they – both had games where they made, you know, six or eight threes in a college game, which is uh, really pretty impressive. Uh, so, yeah, it feels like, you know, after last year where Calvin Booth was, was targeting, you know, positional size and defensive versatility, I felt like this year's draft was about experience and knockdown shooting. If you take a look at the way Michael Malone has evolved as a coach, and obviously Christian Brown was playing big minutes by the end of the finals, um, presumably, you know, health permitting, none of these guys are going to play big-time minutes. But if necessary, do you believe that Michael Malone has sort of altered the way if he feels a, a rookie is more or less ready to contribute? It, it, the 
sort of instinctive nature by Malone and a lot of coaches to say, ah, I don't know if I want to throw a young guy in. Do you think that's changed? Yeah, it feels like it has to me. Um, I've, I've only been on the beat. Next year will be my third full season, but ever since I've been on it, you know, I've had people in my Twitter mentions. Anytime a, a rookie gets brought up, you know, I, I got people coming back at me saying, you know, Malone doesn't play rookies. Malone doesn't right, play rookies. Right. And, oh, I hear that know, all the time, too. <laughs> for, for as long as I've been on the beat, and obviously, you know, the situation kind of necessitated that Bones Island played a lot as a rookie. Um, but then again, to, to Christian Brown playing as a rookie. And, yeah, and I asked yeah. this at one point during the playoffs, just about how he's changed as a coach over the eight years, because he likes to talk about, you know, how much Nicola has changed. So I tried to turn the question on him about where he's changed. And he said, He's, he's just a little bit more patient. He's not right. you know, over-coaching every possession. I think so. I think so. I and, think that's true. I think you can tie that into to playing rookies more, you know, especially um, on a team now that has such lofty postseason goals. I think, you know, once you've won a championship, you can kind of play the long game a little bit easier and say, uh, you know, let's get some of these rookies some minutes here in November, December, January, see if we can – expedite their um you know they're getting comfortable in the nba so i think you know i think if, if these guys are ready the nuggets are in position to, to give them a chance or at least see what what they can contribute you know as, as rookies i i love your point because it, the nuggets showed with the way they treated the final month or so of the season that they're willing to sacrifice some victories in order to have a healthy team and a ready team going into the playoffs and the hell with momentum. I mean, Philadelphia had momentum going into the playoffs. Philadelphia had the MVP and insisted on playing them a lot down the stretch because they wanted them to be the MVP and they were also on a hot streak and they wanted to keep that up. And apart from sweeping Brooklyn, which I think a lot of teams could have done in the first round, Philadelphia was wholly unimpressive in the playoffs and the Nuggets obviously uh, swept through with just four losses all the way to the title. So maybe Malone next year, even earlier in the season, will say, you know, it it could conceivably result in our winning one or two fewer games, but I'm going to see what I have with these guys that so, uh, so that come playoff time, it, are there any one or two of them I can use in the playoffs in a pinch? I'm not saying that they're going to be playing 20 minutes a game. Christian Brown didn't play 20 minutes a game this year. Even even in the playoffs, he didn't play 20 minutes a game. But he played 24 minutes in the last game because the coach had trust in him. And I, I think that the biggest change to me with Malone is he's a guy who would, if he gave him the choice between winning 53 games or 57 games, it's oh no, what gotta win fifty seven, gotta win every game you can win. Not anymore. I don't think he feels that way anymore. Yeah, and I and I think you look at this last regular season and and if the Nuggets really wanted to, I think they could have gone and broke the franchise record for, for individual. Possibly. Sure. Um and you know, for Malone, he's a guy who, you know, he'll tell us he doesn't hear any of the noise, but you know, oh, a year ago <laughs> He hears it. I, yeah, I know. A year ago at the time, though, people were saying, you know, there, there was pressure on his job in terms of if they don't make the conference finals, if they don't make the finals, what happened? Uh, so, yeah, I think right. I think he was in a 
position where he could have felt that heat a little bit and said, hey, we need to go out and win. You know, we need to try to win 57, 58 games, whatever it is. And, and uh, to his credit, he kind of was patient, patient, saw it through, made sure the team was in the best possible position to start the playoffs. And, yeah, and then when, once he got there, he was able to uh, kind of press the right buttons to, to get the thing done. He is Vinny Benedetto from the Denver Gazette. Make sure to give him a follow at V Benedetto on Twitter because uh, on Monday, of course, we'll find out a little bit more from the Nuggets as uh, Calvin Booth expected to have the press conference. So we'll find out more about the, the newest Nuggets and the plan going forward. So make sure you give Vinny a follow to stay up on all of the latest. And thanks so much for uh, sharing that with us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks. Vinny Benedetto right. joining us of the Denver Gazette. And I, I think the point that, that uh, about the evolution of Michael Malone is interesting. It is, and we'll uh, follow up on that. <laughs> I promise we will follow up on that with our next guest in a few minutes. I, I do want to apologize to my good friend John Nillen for massacring his name yesterday. <laughs> uh, John Nillen was the scout who, back in 1980, working for Carl Shear, insisted that the Nuggets should draft this guard out of Louisiana named Andrew Tony. Um, unfortunately, the Nuggets did not listen to John Nillen and instead drafted James Ray. We told the story yesterday. Everything about the story is true, except the scout's name is John Nillen. Ah, and he's a good friend of mine. Well, it, it but live, live I attribute it to a senior moment, and we'll move on. Live radio, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, we'll be joined by our friend Ryan Blackburn, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, new and out today, by the way, from Mile High Sports to break down more about what these picks mean for the Nuggets. Next. A barefoot blue jean night. A barefoot blue jean night.